Annabelle Smith drives into the office parking lot early on Monday morning. She swipes her badge, rides the elevator to the third floor, walks to her desk, and opens her laptop. She notices her emails were downloading from the server at a faster rate than usual. Annabelle scans them as they fly by her vision, reflecting off her glasses in quick succession. It became clear something had gone wrong over the weekend. Oh no, she says to herself. I thought we were on track. Development stated on Friday they were still green and on schedule to drop into the test environment. As Annabelle reads through her messages, she stops at a meeting invite for this morning. Subject, urgent. Presentation to VP on critical path milestone missed. She then notices that her boss sent her a note. Annabelle, see me as soon as you are in the office. Annabelle's heart races. She places a call to her dev lead. Come on, pick up, pick up, she pleads, but only reaches his voicemail. Scrolling through her inbox, she quickly absorbs that development hit a snag during unit testing and realized they had misinterpreted the requirements. She has no slack on the timeline and the project is mission critical for the company. Annabelle now has to explain why her project's code drop milestone went from green on Friday to red on Monday. Hello, listeners. Let's get milestoned. This is the project management podcast that explores how to deliver on projects effectively, whether they are software, construction, home improvement, or lifestyle initiatives. This is episode two, and I'm Janine Rebman. Well, if you've been a PM for any length of time, you can probably relate to Annabelle. Missing a critical path milestone happens. It's a rare unicorn that projects follow a perfect journey down a timeline. But it's never fun to be a PM and have to explain why a project went from green to red overnight. Imagine you are Annabelle's boss, Charlotte. Charlotte also has a boss, and she likely communicated up on Friday that this important company initiative was going to deliver on time. As you can imagine, Annabelle doesn't work in a vacuum, and there are a number of people in her orbit that will need answers. Annabelle's project delivery challenge is compounded by the fact she has no slack in the timeline. This means she won't make the date unless she figures out a way to reduce testing cycles. Never a great choice, but she has few options. Managing the critical path is a primary focus for the PM. Critical path milestones are a chain of sequential activities that, if not met, directly affect the delivery date. But first things first. Annabelle did finally reach her dev lead, who explained that the offshore developers were on target for code drop. However, during unit testing, where the developers do their internal checks before releasing code, it was clear something wasn't right. The developers misinterpreted a requirement that had negative consequences to the desired delivery. The dev lead, Stan, had a choice to make. Should the code be handed over to the testing team and have the fix be done in parallel, or hold off and address the requirements miss immediately? Both of these can be acceptable options, and this is where the dev lead is so important to the effort. 
In this case, Stan decided it was best to fix this before turning it over. Had it not been the weekend, Stan would have likely consulted or informed Annabelle of his decision, but situations like this don't always present themselves in an optimal way. Annabelle and Stan together attend meetings with their reporting chains and explain what happened. They both had to answer why this just came up and what is the plan moving forward. After the break, we'll talk about what could have been done to mitigate this particular milestone miss and what to keep in mind if you are in this situation. Welcome back. Now let's look at what Annabelle and Stan can do immediately to address the situation at hand. First, a meeting must be held with developers and the business analyst who recorded the requirements. As Stan's team is offshore, it's possible English isn't their first language, and any ambiguous wording will need to be clarified. However, misinterpretations of requirements can happen even amongst co-located teams. Stan can then meet with his team directly to again go over the requirements and answer any questions that remain. And Annabelle will need to collaborate with her testing lead, David, to work out a shortened timeline. As there is no slack in Annabelle's plan, this is the only lever she can press. It should be noted that testing's originally planned timelines are usually compromised. Testers are rarely acknowledged for doing so much work with truncated time periods. Unfortunately, they are at the end of the train and delivery dates are usually a hard stop. But once a revised testing schedule is determined, Annabelle will adjust the project plan and communicate these dates to the team and her chain of command. Fortunately, her project was able to deliver on time because her team worked together to find a way to execute the initiative. That was a busy Monday for Annabelle and her project team, but what can be done to eliminate this situation from happening again? The obvious mitigation is to have a number of requirement readout sessions, but that doesn't mean it will solve the problem. The dev team needs to feel comfortable raising their hands and asking specific questions to avoid misinterpretations. Also, the BA should proactively check in with the developers to provide opportunities to clarify or refine. Annabelle also could have met with her team to identify any areas where she might find slack. Projects can often have time windows in the early stages of requirements and design that can be capitalized. Also, it's possible some activities can be executed concurrently and not sequentially. Parkinson's Law, kind of a second cousin of Murphy's Law, states that work expands to fill the time available for completion. It's a rare thing to see any project complete earlier than the time allotted, but it's a usual thing to fight against timelines to deliver as expected. We'll talk at length how to use Parkinson's Law to your advantage in a future podcast. The best way to mitigate issues downstream is to plan as much as possible at project initiation. Up next is a conversation with Maya Fije, a senior project manager who gives us some real-world examples of challenges she has faced with missing milestones and projects moving from green to red. I had an additional requirement that was added unbeknownst to me. No one got my approval, no one told me anything. And as I researched this, of course, as I'm going to, I found out that it was actually my boss in the BA. He allowed a requirement that came in and didn't notify the PM, which was me. 
just go to it by the BA and just work with the BA and try to push it through. And when I noticed it and I spoke up, um, I never had to go against my boss to say, you know what, that's not what you do. This is not how it's done. So in this instance, did your project go from green to red because an additional requirement was submitted, you didn't know about it, and now all of a sudden you have the timeline where you have to absorb that requirement? Exactly. My director made promises to the business the stakeholder that I was not aware of, which I had to get the whole team together. You know, it, it, it's one of those, it, you expect that, I guess, from a team member maybe. Hey, a lot of times the business, I've been in instances where the business has gone to directly to the developer, oh, I forgot this requirement, or this is what I really meant, and skips the whole process. Now, all of a sudden, you've got this developer who's testing stuff, and when you're getting your feedback in the morning or however you get your updates, you're floored. You're like, where did this come from? And the developer is like, well, the BA told me, and the BA, well, or no, the business told me I should add it, and I didn't know. It, it's mind-boggling how they would do that, and then the business person, you go talk to them and tell them, you know, you can't do this, this is a proper way to do it, and they don't care. I have to have this. And so you're at the mercy of them, of the business, and having to explain why this is, usually the business, when there's an instance like this, the business will um, explain it as though IT missed it and we have to have it and it's dire. As the PM, you know that you can recommend, but you're going to get overruled. They're going to absorb it. They're going to take it on. They're not going to tell you the truth. So now it's just an added uh, issue that you've got to follow. So how do you communicate then up the chain that your project, which you thought was going to deliver by a certain date, that was not going to make it. First and foremost, as soon as I find out, I've got to send an FYI to all my stakeholders. Well, not my stakeholder, directly to my, my boss. I have to let them know, hey, this is a situation. I've just been notified. Because, um, you know, as PMs, when you bring an FYI up, you've gotta, you, you can't just flip it from green to red without notifying everybody. Uh, letting them know this is what's going to be flipped and why so that everybody can explain it. So it's just it's a matter of communicating as quickly as possible up the chain. And it's not only sending an FYI, you got to call them, you got to hunt them down, which is usually a challenge because you don't want them to be left. Someone coming to them to say, hey, did you know and why is this? And they don't know. And of course, it's going to look to you because you didn't communicate correctly. So you've got to get on the horn and make sure everybody knows and whatever type of communication uh, whatever type of system that you use for updates, you've got to, there's there's so much that you have to update and say with just that information that you have just found out up the chain. And Lord help you if they know before you do, because you're going to be seen as ineffective. That's a, also a good point. I mean, being the team leader, the quarterback, so to speak, on any project team, the PM is the one who's responsible pretty much across the board. So the PM is responsible for communication, for making sure that the team is moving in the correct direction. And it's challenging if you are seen as a team leader, and yet you are being perceived as not really being control of what's currently happening when you weren't invited into some of the changes and conversations that occurred that facilitated your project to kind of jump the rails. Right. And a lot of times and what I've noticed, and it kind of depends on the company or the client, but depending on where you are and the trust with your team, either they're going to let you know. And if they don't, which is usually when you're a, a new PM or you're coming in on a, to fix a project, they're going to test you. And sometimes they keep you out of the loop on purpose. Sometimes it's others on the team that keep you out of the loop because they want, I don't want to say glory, but they want to, 
they want the uh, the illusion that they're in control because they knew about it and the PM didn't. I mean, you have a lot of different variables that, that uh, are in play on a team. And um, you can have some that are, if, that are out to, sh to shine for themselves, to show that I know this, I can do this. And so they keep you in the dark. So you really have to have the pulse on what's going on. Um, and unfortunately, when you said, well, you shut your laptop on a Friday and on Monday you open it, in, in reality, it's not like that. We are constantly, in order to avoid what you are just talking about, we are constantly looking at our emails constantly checking what's going on, even on the weekend, late at night, just so that we are ahead of the game. So in the instance that we heard earlier in the podcast with Annabelle, she essentially was running a project with zero slack, which is those of us who've been PMs for a while now, that's kind of business as usual. It's rare that you have projects with any slack. Let's just say you encounter this situation where you go from green to red and you missed a critical path milestone and you have no slack on your timeline. What do you do? What's your next step? How do you get this thing back on track? First thing I can think of, and again, I have been out of the loop for a little bit, is to get your team together. You got to immediately get your team leads together because you've got to figure out now as a team how can we make this up? What can we do? What are all the possibilities? So you may have three or four recommendations and you have to flesh those out and present a picture to your stakeholders of this is the situation. This is what happened. One of the main things is you have to say, and I've noticed there are some project team players that they, they believe that status is green, that a project manager feels that their status is green and everything is great. And they wouldn't dare turn it red or yellow. You know, it's like they have you over a barrel. But being one of those PMs that will turn a project yellow and red with no qualm, it's not, it's not that the project is bad or we've done every we're, we're doing things wrong. It's that we need attention and we need immediate attention to address it. I'm glad you brought that up because we do as PMs need to also properly manage the stoplight colors, the red, uh, yellow, green. And you are right. There may be some folks like a dev lead or a test lead or business requirements person who may say, oh, no, we're red because they want, for whatever reason, to call attention to what's going on. So as the PM, again, you have to go back to that leadership position and foster, you touched on this, foster a sense of safety and security and trust with the team that they will provide you with information that's accurate and not necessarily provide you with information that is kind of feeding into their own agenda. Right. PMs, we've got to get in. It's usually when you're in this situation, you recognize it. What I've been noticing, if I, if I can sense it or feel it, I will ask, are we, are we going to make it? If not, because I will turn it yellow and I will tell my team, I will turn this yellow. You know, we'll go through this. I have no problem with it. I was in a situation where the clients were, we're telling the dev managers and the leads like, hey, we're not going to make these dates, yet they'll go into the larger meeting and say, oh, no, we can take on more work. We can do this. And you know, as the PM, no, you can't. So you have to deal with that dynamic as well. Project managers have to have a lot of skills that have nothing to do with the mechanics of a Gantt chart or figuring out how to configure your project plan. Most of what we do, heard this many times, project management is more of an art than a science. 
like 90% of dealing with human beings and trying to figure out how everybody can work together. And that can be very challenging for some project managers who get a PMP certification or a Scrum Master certification, but really don't have the skills in their toolbox to manage all of the psychological drama that may or may not occur within a project team. You are absolutely correct. And it's those that are strictly by, I got the certification and I'm following it, that don't succeed. Project management is people management. Um, as far as I'm concerned, and like you said, you have to quickly come in. For my, for, for my experience, I'm usually brought in to fix stuff. So something's broken, everything's broken. I've got to come in here, learn what the issue is by everybody I've interviewed, sit down and see it myself to see what's going on, and then figure out how to fix it. I don't know the system. I don't know any of this. I'm brand new. This is all this. And I don't have time to learn, become an analyst, to learn how the screen works. That's why I would, you know, heavily re rely on my VA who was explaining things to me. And that was my last client. And we worked really well together. He was like, you know, the muscle. He knew all of the, um, all the nuances about the system and all of this. And that's great. I didn't need to know that. I don't need to be a SME. And a lot of clients forget that. The PM does not need to be a SME. I need to know who the SMEs are so that I can connect them together, so that I can get everybody in the room together to make sure we're all on the same page. It's a big challenge to do that, but you've got to get this team to trust you, to open up to you, to tell you what the true issue is. And nine times out of 10, when you know what the issue is, you still have to fight, well, this is not how we do it. Well, it's not working, so let's try something different. They don't want to try something different, even though they know it's not working because they don't like change. It's called the whiff of what's in it for me. And you've got to get their buy-in. So you've got to do all this and juggle all these balls all, you know, all the time. And, and the PM is not the favorite person. You know, you've got a challenge sometimes when you have developers that are PMs that feel as though I don't ever think a developer should be a PM because you, you need one hat and just focus on that one hat. Uh, stay in that lane and the challenge that I have with that is they feel as though they you want to take their glory why they think it's glory I don't know but that's what I that's what it feels like and they make promises they never deliver it, it has just been such a challenge with that model but what I do to help that also in the beginning and I hope I know we're probably in the middle of this I level set with my team Whatever I have to, when I first start, we win as a team, we lose as a team. There are no all-stars on this team. And a lot of times you will have that. And that contributes to some of the issues we were talking about, where you're not getting the accurate information, things flip. Because most times if your team is aligned, they don't want any negative impact. They, they don't want it to look like we failed. So a lot of times, they'll, if you're close with them, they'll tell you, you know what, I don't think we're going to make this. And they'll usually sometimes just come in your office and just tell you that. And if you've got that, that's pretty cool. And based on that, then you can, okay, let's go get the team and pull this out, pull out what's going on. And if you don't really understand it and they don't want to tell you, yeah, I'll turn it to yellow. Nobody likes that because they've got to explain why we're yellow and they don't want to do that. In the instance where you go from green to red and it's because of a missed co-drop into the test environment, you've gotten a Slack and you have to deliver by a certain date, what would you then do with a team to figure out your next steps? 
uh, we would get together, all of us, the entire team, and we would look at our options. What are our options on delivering? We would have to look at them completely from this is our option, this is how we're gonna do it, this is the impact, and this is what we're gonna deliver see what we can and cannot deliver. You, you got to have options completely thought through. Present those to your, uh, your owner. And uh, you give your recommendation as well, what you think that you really can make. I may give you three recommendations of what the team says they can and cannot do. Um, and then I will throw my weight behind, which I think the best one should be. But nevertheless, it's communication. And if that happened over the weekend, I will be that Monday, well, that soon as I find out, scheduling first thing in the morning. Now you guys are going to get, we're going to be meeting until we figure this out. Get the recommendations, get them on paper, send them, send it with a phone call, and then print the paper and walk over to your uh, owner. That That's what I would do. I mean, I'm trying to catch you to let you know that this is what the issue is. Uh, sometimes the owners have key people on your team, so they may be aware of it or a little bit of something's going on. But if you're in, in communication, constant communication with your stakeholder, they won't freak out or flip out. They'll appreciate the communication and will help you with the messaging and help you select which is the best uh, option. Then you circle that back around the team. You've been around for a while as a project manager. For our listeners, I've worked with Maya for many years. She's fantastic. And one of the things that you have as a reputation, Maya, as you're really good at kind of like then bringing you into fixed kind of broken projects. You're extraordinarily good at getting things back on track that may have gone off track. How often in your project management career do you think you've seen this this type of situation where a project will go from green to red on critical path milestone? How often? Every project is different, and I think it happens often. If your client, it, it also depends on your client. My last client didn't do red, yellow, green. If there is no standard or status, you've got to kind of implement one so that you can show how you can measure. Having said that, it happens a lot. It is very rare to have a client know really what project management is. They know buzzwords, and so they'll push those, hoping that that gets them somewhere. But that usually happens almost everywhere I go. It's a people problem, not a, a system problem, usually. That's also a really good point because I've been to many companies, so have you. Majority of them tend to use the old school, you know, green, yellow, red kind of stoplight colors to indicate the health of the project. It doesn't matter where I've worked in different companies. It does happen. I mean, to me, it's a rare thing that you would be a project manager and not have projects go from green to yellow, which is a fine progression. But it, when it goes green to red, it's always kind of like, uh-oh, what just happened? Why did we move from on track to completely off track and not going to make the milestone? A lot of that is why was there communication happening? How could this have occurred when we feel like we've planned so well? You had touched off this comment earlier that it's important to plan for everything up front. By the time something happens and you're off the track and you're going from, as Annabelle was, from development to test and, and you miss the milestone, you're pretty far down that road. Therefore, you don't have a whole lot of runway left. You have to do what many of us have done, and that's constrict 
the timelines for testing because development needs more time to fix an issue that they recognized in unit testing. That is an issue that I think continually happens and testing seems to always get truncated in their timeline. Yeah. That's just how it is, you know? If you have to deliver something on March 1st, that date can't move. A lot of companies, you know, have marketing materials out there or commercials saying, you know, this service will be available on March 1st. You don't have a choice. So then you have to start worrying about how do we get enough time for development to do what they need to do to fix the issue? How does testing get enough time? How can we do this concurrently? It's a lot of things that the project manager has to really think about in terms of option. Well, it's, it's interesting that you said that because I did have that um, at uh, a client where fortunately I was managing the training and the communication tracks and then was given the QA track. So it was one of those if they and I saw it I, as a PM, you see it, you know it. Development takes all of this time, all of their time. They take more time than they should, and then they throw it to testing. And now testing has to do three weeks worth of testing in two days. And then they put the pressure on the testing, and then they, well, we'll catch it in user acceptance. And, and, and I don't think that's fair for development. Um, I think it's very unfair to do that, to do so. And, and then in this one company, uh, this one client, not only did they say the sprints, well, they took up all of the development and did no testing. The testing was done in UAT. The problem was UAT was not robust whatsoever. And they kept, ha kept having problems. And they would have, after go live, 600, 700 service tickets that were called in. So I'm like, okay, there's, there's a definitely a problem here. And of course, development is going to say, well, we're just, we're strictly agile. We have two, two weeks development. And then we do this. And I, I had to say, let's be realistic. I know what you're doing. It's not working. Why don't we build, I think I built two fix-it sprints in between our, you know, like sprint one and sprint two. Uh, we had like sprint A, 1A, 1B. We're just fix it. Just, just trying to fix it. Because I kept trying to tell them you can't break it. Continue thinking you can move forward with broken code. There's some point you've got to stop and fix it. And you can't continue to fix, try to fix things deliver i'm sorry you can't keep continue to try to deliver on broken code You're, it, it just doesn't make sense i had that ex it was very challenging going up against the vp uh in the it department I, I, but i had to you are making you are making promises that you can't keep and unfortunately you escalate and escalate and on this one i had to escalate to the chief so you just continue to try things as a pm until it works you see what works with some people and, you know, trying to get that, that cohesive team going. And sometimes you have to take the lead in uh, doing some things. But you know what? If it's worth it, if it's going to help the team, you've got to do it. You've got to just step in. And I think that's the challenge when you get a client. You know, me as a consultant, when I interview, everyone says I want a scrum master. We only do agile. And when you get in there, you are, dev team will talk agile game, 
but you are what a they want a waterfall uh, project schedule every single time. Yeah, every single time, and then you're like, then you have to sit here and try. I know with this one client, the one I was talking about, I had to figure out, well, how am I going to do their sprints? How do I do it? Do I do it by project? Do I just do dev? This, I mean, there's so many ways you got to figure it out. That's the only way everyone's going to be comfortable is taking it back to waterfall. I don't care what they say. My last client, yes, my team was strictly agile. I had to build a waterfall project plan. No matter what happened, my client needed a waterfall project plan. It is interesting how we do kind of rely on what we know. A future podcast is going to talk a lot about Agile and why companies have moved to Agile and some of the challenges that occur when you're transitioning and transforming large-scale initiatives over to Agile. And, and you're touching on a very important one, and that's behavior. Behavior is hard to change, especially for those teammates who've been around for you know, 20, 30 years to ask them to do something completely different would be like saying, hey, I need you to, to use the metric system now instead of the imperial system that we've been using. You know, it's You're like, absolutely correct. Well, this has been a fantastic call, Maya. Thank you very much for sharing with us some of your experience. And I look forward to having future conversations with you and your depth of knowledge in the future. Thank you for asking. It was a pleasure.